gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us, we've got David Kloiber, candidate for mayor for the city of Lexington. What a perfect song to start this segment, Tom Dupree. Yes, in, in the interest of full disclosure, we have extended uh, an invitation to the mayor. Several times, actually. Yeah, and it's been unanswered, so I guess she's not interested in coming on and discussing the things that are going on in Lexington, that a lot of which she denied was even happening up until the it got to be what it is. Um, so David Kloiber, you know, we sit here on uh, the 27th of uh, August uh, when this show is going to air. We're recording a little earlier than that. But, uh, you know, very soon here, um, the people in Lexington are going to realize that there's actually a uh, an election race going on for mayor, not just a coronation of the uh, current mayor for a second term. And uh, you're going to be, as I understand it, uh, bringing a lot of stuff out uh, that will be media uh, calling on people, knocking on doors, and getting out and really uh, pushing your message to folks uh, starting around Labor Day, correct? Absolutely. We're trying to uh, let everybody have a nice summer vacation before we get out there and start talking about how we get some real change and we fix a, a bunch of these issues here in the city. Well, a lot of them are already talking about it, so I'm sure it will be uh, you know, greatly appreciated um, for people to know that um, that they do have a choice in this election for mayor. And they're going to have choices in in some of these other seats also because this is the most brain-dead group over here at City Hall that I've ever seen in terms of – I'm not saying the people are all idiots, but I'm saying that they have as a group – and you're a part of that group, but you're trying to be different, and I get that. So is Richard Maloney. Um, But as a group, they just – are so uh, out of touch with what seems to really be going on in this city. And they all kind of are like sheep looking to the mayor for leadership. um, And the mayor is providing none. So I know it's actually worse in some other cities around the country. 
It's actually, believe it or not, it's worse than it is here. But it could be a lot better here. So what do you want to talk about today, David? Well, first, just to, to talk about that real quick, the mayor, she has an entire staff, months and months to work and prepare on things, and the council doesn't have the resources to undo the stuff that she's putting out there. So even when we want to do the things that need to be done, even when we want to fix the budget or address the crime problems in our city, it comes from that leadership position. When she has all of those resources, she works on a budget for six to eight months, and the council has 42 days to try to take it apart and put it back together without that staff. It's just untenable. You have to look to change that leadership you got to have a better uh, place setting if you're going to get to a better dinner. Okay. All right. So we understand that things need to be changed at the top. I would agree with that also. What do you want to talk about that needs fixing and how are you going to fix it? Well, right now it's the topic that uh, that's on everybody's everybody's tongue is, is the violence, the crime, and what we're doing or not doing about it. And I know we've talked a little bit about policies and and things like that, but let's talk about something much more concrete. Well, let me ask you one question. Yeah. What is the structural reason, budget-wise or other, that we are 110 officers short? I mean, why are we that far short? Well, it comes down to policy and pay, right? It's, It's pretty basic principles. If you want to keep people... You've got to have a good working environment. You have to have good policies, and you got to be able to pay them a commiserate rate with whatever they can get elsewhere. When a person can can retire now and work for the schools, make eighty thousand dollars, not have to deal with all the issues, they're going to take it. We're not competitive there. So, if you're looking at the fundamental issue of why we have this problem, it's it's policy and pay. But how do we address that? Right? Yeah. Good question. Yeah, we. This is all about how we bargain to protect our city going forward. And there's two really simple things that we could do tomorrow. Tomorrow that I know that the police and the union would be in favor of that would save the city money and help keep our officers here. The first one is something called an executive drop. It's uh, it's about their pension plan. And other states do this. But the idea is when you reach that retirement age, when you've hit your 20 years, you can inform us, you know what, I want to go into this this extra plan. I'm not going to retire for three or seven years. And during that time, you no longer accrue into your pension, but we start paying out that pension into a fund, which grows. So when you hit that retirement date in three years, you get a pension at 20 years, but you get a large sum payout right then. Of money, that, of money that you've accrued over from that your time. pension. Yeah, during that time, the city gets to save eleven to twelve percent on your salary because we're not contributing into that pension. Gotcha. It gives it puts money in the hand of these officers. It gives us a timeline for when they're going to retire, so it's not just. I think we have a hundred and fifty who could retire tomorrow if they decided to. It gives us an incentive to keep this experience here costs us less money it's a no-brainer we should be looking to open up that bargaining and 
and settle this for the benefit of both our officers and our city as a whole. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't address the fact that we're 110 short right now. It doesn't. And that's where we get into recruitment and making sure that the models we put in place for policy keep the people that we recruit. Okay. So there's two issues here. One, what money are we spending to bring people in? If I want to hire someone for my business, I have to go out and spend a couple of dollars. Either you go out and you get people who are going to find those people, the headhunters, or you, you list it online. Whatever you're going to do, it costs money to entice people to come work for you. Just recently, the council, and again, this goes back to the council trying to make these changes, set aside $5 million, handed it to the mayor and said, we want this to help with our retention and our recruitment. All right? We were thinking, maybe she'll implement some of these things I'm talking about. Maybe we'll use this money to go recruit a large class or two in order to fix this issue. She decided that that money was better served as a one-time bonus for this year. That is a retention of one year for $5 million. And she spent less than 10, I think it's about 10% of the total on any recruitment measures whatsoever, a signing bonus and $100,000 for advertising out of $5 million. We've got to do better. I think you have someone in our mayor position who is really deeply challenged in terms of how you operate an entity or a business or any kind of thing that has to provide goods or services at the end of the day. She, I just don't think she comes from a world having been a nurse that, and I know she worked in a doctor's office because it used to be my doctor. I remember she was, you know, the nurse in there, Nurse Ratchet or whatever, um, in that doctor's office, um, you know, helping him lecture people on um, eating right or whatever. And I'm, I know this is just work. It, 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 anyway, how she got from there to here, I'll never know. But I don't think she has any idea of how to operate an entity on an ongoing basis. And I think that's what we're seeing. It's it's nothing against what she did on council because as a counselor, she had a very long history. But being the mayor is about administering the city. You have to deal with these personnel issues. You have to deal with these finance issues. She's showing through her actions, not through her words, through her actions that she's missing the point, that she doesn't understand how to get our city to a better place. Yeah, I think she has no idea. And if somebody if somebody says something to her, her personality is such that she immediately, rather than regard it as um, constructive, she uh, immediately becomes defensive um, and, you know, it's not a very good personality trait because this is a person who I don't know that she could really run a hot dog stand very well. And she's, she's now the mayor of the city and she doesn't want, she, she wants to surround herself with what I call sycophants, people who sort of say, Oh, you're great. Da da da. And the, they tend to be people that 
are are sort of passive in in this kind of thing. I mean, well, listen, I think that her greatest strength is making people feel good, but not actually making things better. Yeah, and so you know that's that's what we're we're dealing with right now. We have real issues. We have crisis in this city with the crime, with the violence, with even just our budget. And these things aren't going to get better just because we talk about them in a nicer manner. I want to go back to uh, another thing that we've talked about before, because without this, we don't have tax revenues. Without tax revenues, none of this stuff we're talking about can we pay for. And that's the recruitment of, of new businesses. Now, something I've noticed, uh, there have been a few homegrown-type businesses pop up in this community. Uh, I'll give you one, for example, the craft beer business. And some people might think, well, that's just a guy and a couple of his buddies making beer in his basement. Actually, some of these companies, one or two, are, are, are really producing some serious uh, income and tax revenues, and those kinds of things. And I do believe that that's not a business somebody went out and had to give a bunch of incentives to to get them to come here and bring maybe 300 jobs of people that have never been to Lexington and not sure they want to be here. These were homegrown people who love being here, built their business here, and over time they've been – it's like what we've done. You know, we started – with nothing. I mean, I, I'm really less than nothing. <laughs> we were in debt, and uh, and we've built this business, and it's done extremely well. And those are people that are going to hang around in the community and stay here and build things. And nobody from City Hall's ever, you know, I, I see all the time they're trying to encourage minority-owned businesses, uh, any kind of minority that there is out there. doesn't matter. And even the local publishing, they always talk about these people doing these odd things, but very rarely do they ever come and say, you know, this guy's got X amount under management and he's built it all here. It's like I'm – it's like they think a guy like me is um, – well, he's rich or something. Probably always was rich. No, that isn't true. I've had to do it just like anybody else. But the city does really stupid things. They go out and they pay money for a truck to feed homeless people when there's every organization in the world down here. One of the reasons we have a homeless problem is because they can eat about six different places. So what's the idea? Why don't we focus on our businesses that are homegrown businesses and need to grow. If you want to bring in some businesses that might be a great fit for Lexington, do that too. But I don't see any effort on any of it. Well, I think to answer your question, our city needs to focus on its strengths, the strengths that we have for economic development. So you're talking about homegrown businesses. We have a lot of those that have popped up over the pandemic People have gone out to visit for themselves and they're starting, you know, some of them are starting to rise to the top and, and employ more people. That's great. We need to focus on, on that. We also need to focus on things we have like our interstate, right, which is a driver of economic development. We need to utilize it. I'll give you just a story from, from my past. Um, my father 
and his business partner built up a software company similar to you from nothing, right? Less than nothing. They built it up. And when they sold it here in Fayette County, they had brought in so many software developers. We had an amazing resource here. After they sold their company, nobody capitalized on that. Nobody brought those people together to found the next 5, 10, 20 software companies we could have had. There was a a billboard in the airport that said, a piece of Silicon Valley in the bluegrass. And that's what we had. But it wasn't cultivated or focused on, neither by the government nor by anyone else, and, and now that time has passed. We can't let that happen for any of our businesses that grew up here. We have to make sure that we recognize what these strengths are and we cultivate them. You know, another thing, when I was started in this business in 78, you had more corporate headquarters here. First Security Bank over there, corporate headquarters. Second National Bank, or it became Commerce National and Bank of Commerce. All of these banks were headquartered in Lexington. KU. Headquartered here. Now it's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. America, Kentucky American Water, based here. Now its uh, headquarters is in New Jersey. And the call center's in Illinois. We have to bring back to the bluegrass corporate headquarters, people who make the hiring decisions here. You walk in that bank over there, uh, Chase. <coughs> You could set off a bunch of firecrackers right in the lobby, and I doubt it would get anybody's attention. I mean, you got these banks, uh, and they're zombie corporations. They don't do anything locally. They don't even approve loans uh, locally. So we've got to begin to bring back to Fayette County and Lexington uh, a sense of being – there was a time maybe in the 80s or late 70s when Lexington was kind of considered the center of the universe. And for some people, it really was. It isn't even the center of the universe now for people that think it is. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it, it's not the same anymore. And, uh, you know, you had people like W.T. Young. You had people, Alec Campbell, Willie Rouse over at the bank. People that were decision makers here locally, uh, Garvis Kincaid at one time. We got to get that back. Yeah, I mean, look, when we're talking about having headquarters here, you have to think about the fact that we're regionally located. It's a perfect right? spot. It's a perfect spot. I mean, what was it? I, I think some large portion of the Fortune 500 companies all pledged to go like net zero headquarters centrally located in the next five to 10 years. Why aren't we courting them? It's crazy. We can bring them here. Yeah. And we, and you know what? You don't necessarily have to give away the farm. No, I mean, you, no. you just say, listen, this is a great place to live. We're glad to have you, but you're going to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. You know what? We're not going to, we're not going to just say you don't pay any property tax. I mean, if you're going to bring a ton of payroll taxes, fine. Maybe we make a deal. But other than that, you're here to be a part of the community, not suck off of it. You know, Absolutely. it's that kind of thing. And so we just got to stand up and start fighting for this deal. And the mayor and the council that's there, they don't even know what the problem is. It's not that they don't want to fight or, or whatever. 
They're clueless. They're not business people. They don't have a clue. When's the last time that you heard of a major corporation coming to Lexington that wasn't recruited by the developer of a building? Mm, that is a that is a, a good point. Well, um, uh, I can. Think- Jim Gray brought this. Bingham firm out here to Coldstream. We got Rubicon. That, that, came that was the one, that was I, the one but, you were thinking of. They were but, brought in by the by the webs. By the webs. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't by the city or and any that kind guy, of. That's a that's an NYSE company. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They just were on. They just young guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this Bingham here, that that's just an empty building. Or somebody might have leased it by now. But you're just not getting. But I even like smaller companies. It just get people that are seven, eight people companies. Maybe doing two or three million a year in sales. Bring them in, get them in here, paying taxes, uh, part of the community, having a good time. But how do you know that that wouldn't? I mean, that wouldn't make news if that six or seven were coming in. Who cares in if it makes news? I know. Then you wouldn't be able to talk about the fact it was going on if it wasn't in the news. Well, That's I'd my find point. out about it one way or the other. All right. Well, these these companies. Listen, whether it's six or seven or six or seven hundred, these are jobs. Right, yeah, they're jobs for jobs. people who who can live here in our city instead of having to live somewhere else and commute in. These are exactly this is where we get that competitive pay. It's it's what we need. Oh. All, All right, right. Well, that's a good place to stop. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We've got David Kloiber, a candidate for mayor of Lexington, joining us uh, for this hour. We, we we invite Linda Gorton. Anytime she'd like to join us. Why you go over and ask her? We promise we'll be nice. We're just going to ask her some questions. You can promise that. Oh, well, that's helpful. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. If you really study the news, you know there's a high degree of insanity afoot these days. This can also affect investment markets. In times like these, people are much more likely to believe a cynical view of markets and behaviors than in more normal times. There's nothing wrong with realism as long as it's tempered with a healthy dose of constructive optimism. This is only possible through faith which is believing in something that's not yet apparent. And faith is how our country was built. At Dupree Financial Group, we do a great deal of research on the companies in which we invest, and we have faith in our research. We can review your current investment portfolio and advise you about how to properly invest for retirement. Call us now at 859 859- Two three three zero four hundred.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, we've got David Kloiber, who's candidate for mayor of the city of Lexington. And here's our host, Tom Dupree. Okay, David. Uh, you Tell know, us about the music real quick. It's uh, Phil Keegy and uh, from a group called Glass Harp. This was his first group before he had a solo career. And uh, I think the album's like 1970. And it showcases his incredible guitar playing. Okay, David Kloiber. One of the things that I've never gotten really involved in politics, and and, and as as you know, I was about to get involved in this race, and then I I fell ill and wasn't able to get all my um, uh, signatures. And so you called me up and we talked and then, you know, we kind of got to know each other. And one of the reasons why I would probably be a terrible mayor is I see him doing stupid, wasteful stuff. And they they don't even have a clue that it's really stupid and wasteful. And the average person really doesn't care because they think I don't control that and or have anything I can do about it. Now, let's talk about areas of waste a little bit. And because, I mean, it's all about revenues and expenses. We talked about bringing businesses to town Mm -hmm. just a minute ago because that's revenues. That's tax revenues. Absolutely. That's, uh, That's economic development. That's people doing stuff in town. The city collecting payroll taxes, different kinds of taxes, and they and and that helps. On the other side, you got expenses. So if you can't really goose revenues a whole lot over the short term, you want to figure out how to not spend money, time, effort on things that are not at all smart to do. I remember going to a meeting over at city hall for something and before the meeting i was going for there was this discussion about dealing with uh shopping carts that get taken away from a grocery store and used by some homeless person probably to cart their stuff around and then they get abandoned and they sat there and they went through all these really crazy ways to deal with it, to sort of put it back on the grocery store owners, when really there was a very simple fix. It had to do with just maybe putting some collection fee or a return fee on it to make incentivize somebody to do it. But so often government has no clue about how actual day-to-day human beings are incentivized to do their behaviors. They, they come up with ideas. It's like, this is what you should do instead of this is what people actually do do. And that just drives me nuts. I cannot stand to be around it. I end up getting to be becoming rude and offensive say things to people I wish I hadn't said, and that makes me a horrible candidate for any kind of political thing. That's why I have a radio show, 
instead of an office at City Hall. But now you're talking about wanting to have an office at City Hall, which means you got to be nicer, you know, and figure out how to work with people and stuff. What are some areas that you think, you know, this we could do things a lot better? Well, you know what? Uh, let's just go straight to that shopping cart, uh, the thing you talked about. I'm sorry I brought that up. No, no, no. We'll talk about it real quick. Um, right now, the city has to pick up those carts, and we have to take them all the way to the dump at our cost and throw them away. When the stores are asking us for them back, because they cost a couple hundred bucks, why won't you give them, them back to the stores? Well, because the stores won't give us the information on how to get in contact with them and get it back to them. So that conversation you heard was just the tail end of us trying to say, hey, can we communicate so that instead of us taking these all the way out to the so dump? part of that cost, is the stores. It's part of it. We, we, we can save money as a city by getting these back to the store owners. The store owners can save money because they're not having to replace these carts and everybody wins. It just takes a little Instead of taking them to the dump, why don't you do like a bake sale and sell them for 50 bucks a piece? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems like somebody pays something for them. But anyway. Well, Aldi solved that problem very easily. But you put a quarter in, it releases a cart. You put the cart back, you get your quarter back. I mean, it's not that complicated. But let's get back to the mayor's race. All right. Sorry. Yes. No, but that was that's an area where you're just this talking about being, being efficient, right? Um, another good example is just looking at the programs, who they serve, and what inefficiencies we have. A good example is the fall leaf collection. You know this program, it's you you rake your leaves to the side of your yard. You don't want to rake it all the way out so it gets in the gutter. You get it close on a certain day and a truck will come by. Right. And yeah, yeah. So um, that program has some of the most dissatisfaction of any program the city serves because we don't know when the leaves are going to fall. We don't know how to get that information to you to rake yeah. it out there. It's, it is a terrible concept and execution problem because of all the factors we don't have. The cost of that program alone is over a million dollars a year. A million dollars a year for a program people are not satisfied with. Okay. We can use that money anywhere else. And again, the original purpose of it was to keep leaves out of our stormwater system and it has been shown that that's not even happening. So at this point we just have a program that's frustrating people, not keeping leaves out of our stormwater system and costing us a million dollars a year. So right th like I said, this is a this is a simple simple fix that frees up more money to make sure we have the money we need for other projects. Okay. All right. We're talking about other fixes. How about a very simple one? When you have a nurse and you train a nurse, this is something the mayor should be familiar with, they go on contract. Right, They go on a contract because they went through the training, and if they want to leave and go work for someone else, what do, what do they have to do? They, they have to buy back that contract. Right. right? Or, or work it out to the end of or it. Or work it out to the end of it, right? Right now, we have training, lots of specialized training for our officers, for our firefighters, for our E911, and we don't have any kind of a contract buyback. So they can just get your training and leave. Absolutely, and it happens every single day. We are training up at our cost highly trained, highly skilled individuals, but we're not incentivizing them to stay here. And so they'll go somewhere else. 
these are the kind of leakages. These are the kind of things that we, you know, as you said, in the business world, they've shortened these up. You know, you, you see people, they're saying, we're yeah. going to make sure you have to buy, if we train you, you have to buy this back. Absolutely. Right? That is, that isn't like an overstep. That isn't saying let's run the government like a business. That's saying let's use some common sense to yeah. make sure that our resources are benefiting us here in Fayette County. So you can go through many of the programs throughout the city and find these kind of efficiencies that will save us money and improve the way that we operate. But we're not seeing any of those overarching things coming from the top down. And that's just administrative. It's easy fixes, things that can be done day one. Let me ask you um, a question about morale. It would seem to me that knowing that the leadership is what it is, it's kind of non-existent that morale among city employees would have to suffer under that kind of situation. Well, it's hard anytime you have that kind of uncertainty. If you don't know what's going to happen because you don't have that strong vision of where we're going, it, it, it inserts this uncertainty into your life. And when that's your work, that's, that's more than just a social life or anything else. This is how you're supporting your family, how you're supporting your kids, and add in that level of uncertainty and you just, how can you keep morale up? We are constantly bombarded with individuals coming to council who work for the city and telling us we don't see things being run in any kind of an efficient manner. This and, is not. And is the mayor there when they say that? It depends. She's there sometimes. They've come straight up to her and told her um, this isn't something she's unaware of. I think most recently... Um, she was contacted by uh, Waste Management, who said that they don't feel like she has been, you know, negotiating with them in good faith. They feel like they have not been given their fair fair turn to be uh, to be negotiated with, because she isn't being that strong leader and showing people what their careers look like. Right now, our employees have to wait for the whims of politicians in an election year in order to get a raise. They have no structure that will give them a progression. How can you have a career if you don't know and there's nothing set out that says, if you work here for 10 years, we can guarantee you you're going to be in a better place? Okay, I'll, I want to change a little bit of a direction here. About 60 to maybe close to two-thirds of the land in Fayette County is considered... Um, non-urban service boundary land, land that's outside the urban service boundary. And we talk about the horse industry as being uh, sort of our signature industry, but rarely. I mean, we, we go out of our way in so many ways to protect the horse industry, to talk about how great it is. But I don't see any of these people much downtown at meetings, uh, talking before the city council, really very active in what's going on locally. They're getting a great deal on having the uh, land taxed uh, for an agricultural exemption. You know, they get all kinds of good treatment from city council. What needs to be done to engage 
more this industry that is using over half of our land? So there's a couple things to note. We have a lot of agricultural land, and it's been that way since the urban service boundary was drawn in the 50s. Yeah. Right? It's moved a little bit here and there. But the purpose of that boundary was to make sure that all of our services were were connected, that we didn't have to have a development that popped up way on the corner. We had to run sewer all the way out through these farms at a huge cost. That's the purpose. If we're talking about protecting agricultural land, that's not the purpose of this boundary. That's something completely separate. We have an identity as the horse capital of the world, but not all of our rural land is being used by these horse farms for that identity. A lot of it has, you know, gone into just haying, growing, you know, very basic um, hay and other things to, to, to even make ends meet. And so we even have a divide between kind of the horse farm and the other farms in our own county that and that's only up. one district that's number 12 that's 12 di- yeah the 12th district encompasses all of that there's one representative for all of that throughout the city and so again we're not getting a lot of disparity of discussion on it we see the same people coming to discuss issues that matter specifically to them and being very loud about it i'm sure you saw the um the issue with the soccer fields mm-hmm. the other day i mean who here is going to say that our residents, our children, our city would not be better served having a soccer complex on the interstate to bring in all that regional tourism, to bring in all of those facilities that would be professionally run and managed, not at the expense of the city, with at no cost to the city. This is a private group. It's the most insane thing. But the, these people worship land. They think that the only thing that land should be doing is either growing grass or, you know, have horses walking on it. And agricultural land, listen, there are large and thriving horse industries around the world on significantly less land than what we have in Fayette County. They just use it more wisely. Well, and we have 30. Smarter about how they use it. We have 30,000 acres of horse farm land protected in perpetuity in our city already. That's 30,000 acres. We need balance. That's, you know, you hear it all the time, whether it's philosophy or otherwise. We just, we need balance. It's a balanced approach. Anybody who tells you we should never develop any of this land isn't taking a balanced approach. uh, I've got a new uh, moniker for you. Yeah. David Kloiber, the balanced candidate. <laughs> as long as I don't have to stand on a ball on one foot while you're saying it. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, my gosh. We're sitting here coming up with this stuff right on this show. Oh. This is why it's such a good show. Um, okay. Before we, you know, we got about five or six minutes. Um, let me ask you this question. What would be some kind of out-of-the-box things that you would, little projects that might be come out of left field that you've been thinking about that might be a really great thing for Lexington but that wouldn't necessarily be part of the campaign but that you could maybe lay on us right here? Well, the first one 
That's he had some. Yeah, I know well. that he had some. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, you know, I'm ahead. always I'm always trying to think. I think that that idea of just starting outside of the box is very, very important. You know, I haven't been, I'm not trying to be a politician. I'm a problem solver. I'm, and you're I'm, a businessman. Yeah, business and, and you're doing a good job at that, but you better start turning into a little more of a politician all right, all right. before, yeah, before listen, election day. Again, we'll be out there <laughs> knocking fine. on I'm, your I'm, doors. Hey, September, anything I'm telling October. you, I'm just trying to encourage, okay? <laughs> of course. So if we're thinking of, of outside outside the box ideas here's one and it deals with an issue downtown that we've talked about and that's homelessness yeah right we know that there's services here we know that it's a difficult huge problem but here's one thing we could do just from the city level what if we made food handlers permits specifically for those dealing with the homeless when they there are there are specific dietary and and other requirements for people you have to have these permits but what purpose does that serve and why is it outside the box because we could have these permits good for certain days and certain times this is a level of coordination well that I'm we've never seen that some of these outfits that serve meals they're getting paid by the meal by somebody somebody's somebody is well, some we, government <laughs> program somewhere is saying if you'll serve this many meals the homeless people will pay you eight bucks a meal or whatever. I wish it's we going, had that level of coordination, honestly. Well, somebody's getting something because there is – I've seen some of these operations, one in specific, from the inside out. It's every bit as organized and funded as a restaurant would be, mm -hmm. and there's no way that that's just purely uh, a um, – uh, a charity effort. All right, David, well, give us another one. Another one. Here yeah, we go. You got You're three ready? minutes. Three minutes. Traffic. Everyone hates traffic. But one of the biggest issues is we don't look at traffic as a whole. When we do a study, we might study one corridor, one street. Here's the answer. Drones. There are actually companies out in the world that will bring drones to your city. They'll fly it up and look at all of your streets as one connected organism. They'll stretch it out. They'll see where it's your traffic patterns are, and you can start to find unique solutions through their AI programs cool. for traffic. Things you might not have thought of before. What's the, I like that. Yeah. See, this, again, trying to solve basic problems that we're all aware of with outside the box coordination. These so, kind if of you get elected, programs. are you going to still do this show? Sure, I'll come. Yeah. Anytime. Well, and I'll tell you another thing I've heard you talk about is David is turn into is, a big shot. It's drawing from other cities and success in other cities yeah. and mm -hmm. learning from a city's a city. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter where it is. And there's some that are growing, and there's some that are not. We're like not Lexington. growing. We are not. We're not growing. growing. Nashville is growing. I mean, I've I've spent some time down there. And I'm just talking about cities in the state of Kentucky. Well, I'm talking about cities other places too. And, you know, there's an attitude that you got to have first where there, you, you're excited about what you're doing. The people can feel it. And that's the point. We are a proud city, and we deserve to be one of the cornerstones, one of those held up going into the next 50 years. Around this country, we should be known as, yes, horse capital of the world, as, as a city that is on the verge of many new and exciting industries and that we are a wonderful place to live and raise your kids. I think we should be on the top 10 lists everywhere for those metrics. 
and I completely agree, but I will say that you've got to also have a mayor that doesn't say, and I even come downtown after dark. Well, and yeah. I'll just I'll just leave for, for that things. I'll just yeah, I'll just leave that there and we will get on out of here for this segment. There's some music. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show this hour. We've had David Kloiber. He's a candidate for mayor of Lexington. He's going to be on a street somewhere near you soon knocking on your door. So say hello to him and listen to what he's got to say. We're slapping him around a little bit, getting him ready. <laughs> Not really. You know, it's equal. He's, op- he's, it's- he's good. He's, he's going to be fine, but he's yeah. we're going to have to all encourage him. Get out there and hustle. And it's will. equal opportunity It'll for happen. all candidates. It'll- You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with David Kloiber. We will talk to you next week.